I recall having a conversation with a fellow Christian about praying for someone who was in need. His comment that um, the intercessory prayer of others is not as good as the personal prayer made directly to God kind of made an impression, for better or for worse, because implicitly the underlying rationale is that our prayer or our personal relationship with Christ is a personal one and that God will only help those who help themselves. So in the same vein, that kind of rationale leads to the question, why do Catholics pray to the saints and Mother Mary for that matter, and not directly to God? So what I want to know is, are intercessions biblical, and do they work? Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I'm your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. A big thank you to everyone who left me such compelling thoughts and comments about the previous episode, My Lord and My God. Apparently, there has been quite a bit of buzz generated uh, on episode number six, and I'm going to share some of their comments with you. I will leave you a link down in the episode note for all the heartfelt testimonies for you to check them out. If you haven't heard um, episode number six, My Lord and My God, I would strongly recommend that you listen to that first. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, thank you for stopping by and welcome to our fellowship. You are most welcome to join our SAP family or the Setting Apart podcast family at any time. Just hit subscribe or follow whenever you're ready. It's free and it's good for your soul. I hope you can stick around because we always have good stuff to share in this podcast. Every testimony and reflection I share are connected to the scripture reading for the episode. But first, let me give a shout out to all the parents whose children my wife and I had the opportunity and privilege of preparing as readers for their very first Holy Communion at our parish. Some of the parents have written um, inspiring testimonies and offered prayers to me for the podcast. I'm very grateful for that. And please continue to keep me in your prayers. And thank you for that. But I really want to give a special shout out to all these parents, in particular, the ones who were involved in ferrying their children to and fro from whatever activities they were doing for the day, uh, be it ballet, tuition, swimming, gym, diving, and all sorts of other enrichment classes and programs to the church for church practices, as well as for online Zoom sessions. Now, Zoom sessions entail breaking of the word and reflections on them because it is, after all, about the liturgy of the word, while the church practices encompass reading and movement practice for the First Holy Communion in church. As you can imagine, the training can be pretty intense, not only for the nine-year-olds, but for all the parties involved, especially when taking into account the attention span of a typical nine-year-old, I mean, they keep us on our toes to keep them stay engaged. And in the end, it was well worth the effort because all the children did so well. 
And so, I want to call out all the parents for two main reasons. First, without their dedication, we could not have achieved such remarkably stellar turnout for participation year after year. Especially in the past year with the COVID-19 mitigation measures in place, we had to do things differently. Some parents even moved their children's enrichment schedule to accommodate our training sessions. My wife and I are truly grateful to each and one of them. Secondly, these parents are setting good examples of what living out their Christian life looks like to their kids. That is, the children are participating not only in getting to know and appreciate Christ, but they're also building a fellowship with their fellow nine-year-olds and catechists. In a nutshell, these parents are participating in their children's faith formation, religious education, and fellowship. How cool is that? So, kudos to them. Next, let me share some of the buzz generated from the previous episode. Episode number six, My Lord and My God. First up, this one's from Damien of Singapore, and I quote, Just finished listening to your conversion story in episode number six, and what struck me was this. Very often, we talk about intergenerational sins and how kids end up making the same mistakes that their parents did due to their upbringing, etc. But here in your case, we see how God has used parental lineage to bring about an encounter. God graciously used your dad's experience as a seed towards your encounter, and because it was personal, you knew that it was from God. It is profound because it also shows what responsibility parents, teachers, mentors, basically any Christians, has on younger people under their charge. So praise God for this, and not just younger people, but towards anyone God puts in our path. Evangelization at its best. We just do our small part, and God will do the heavy lifting. And that was from Damien. Damien is a group mate whom I met online via the RTE, or the Road to Emmaus Bible Sharing Group, where members of a cell group share reflections, followed by a lecture presentation from an excellent catechist on the mass readings for the week. Now, for the uninitiated, uh, there are three readings in total for each of our mass readings. So special masses, we have more. First reading is usually from um, the Old Testament whereas um, the second reading is usually from the New Testament, followed by a reading from the Gospels. The RTE Bible Fellowship is an excellent way to get to know Christ through Scripture. It is not a Bible study per se, but we read the Scripture, reflect on them, and discuss or share our thoughts with the group. I cannot think of a better way to build up a cozy Christian fellowship in the presence of Christ. In a sense, this is a continuum from childhood to adulthood. We continue getting to know God, and we continue building up fellowships, and we continue planting seeds and evangelizing. The dots are well connected. So please feel free to draw me a note if you'd like to find out more about the RTE. I'll be happy to connect you guys with them. The second one is from Suzanne. This is the same Suzanne whom I gave a shout out to in the previous episode. And this is what she's got to say. Good morning, IP. Thank you for sharing your story. Episode number six, another inspiring episode I just felt compelled to share. I thank your parents for playing the part in your conversion because their conversion planted a seed of curiosity in you. I thank your dad for sharing his story for his story planted a seed in you 
which would years later stir your memory and convict your heart. In the same regard, you are now sowing seeds in others through your honest and heartfelt sharing of faith. Oh, and thank you for sharing our president's story, which touched me. A truly inspiring hero he was. Again, that was Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne, again for your sharing. Indeed, the planting of seeds in my mind are the works of the Holy Spirit using the hands of the sowers. And this, by the way, is what we mean by intercession. Intercession is an act of interceding. And to intercede is to intervene or to mediate. As Christians, we know that Christ is our ultimate intercessor and mediator. So next, I want to share the testimony of Angela. Like Suzanne, this is the second one from Angela that I'm sharing. And also like Suzanne, this is the continuation or follow-up comment from Angela's previous comment made about episode number four, Saved by Grace, uh, which I shared in episode number five. And I quote, above bracket text messages is from Monica um, just received today. Thanks, IP, from me too. Truly indebted by your conversion episode, which is episode number six, on God's mysterious hand in your life. That was from Angela. The content of Monica's text message in a gist. Monica and company are now my prayer warriors. I say amen to that, and I need every bit of your prayer, so thank you. Their fellowship has since added two more people into their fold, so praise the Lord. And Cynthia's husband apparently has slowly but surely been showing signs of opening up his heart to Jesus. And that is so awesome. In addition to saying a prayer mealtime, he's also saying a prayer before bedtime. Wow, how cool is that? You the man. Now, that definitely is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful grace from God. Thank you, Angela, for sharing that inspiring update. God's invisible hand is always present and available to everyone. It can be seen not with our eyes, but with our heart. If we open our heart to Jesus, we can easily see and believe. But there are times we may not be able to see clearly, and that's where others in the community can come in and help us see more clearly again. And there you have it. These are the three lovely testimonies from our listeners generated from the previous episode, My Lord and My God, which depicts my call to conversion. My actual conversion, however, wasn't going to happen for another five years. And that is a story you wouldn't want to miss. But for another day. Collectively, the three testimonies and my shout out to the First Holy Communion parents They provide tremendous insights on the question I posted at the top of the show. Are intercessions biblical? And do they work? Stick around all the way to the end where I will connect all the dots with my personal sharing based on the Gospel of Mark for this episode. In Saved by Grace, you heard that I survived a car crash unscathed in my college days in Canada. Well, there is more to that story. And this is the continuation from where I left off in episode 4, Saved by Grace. When I took my car in for repair, the body shop provided a free courtesy car for me to drive around in until the repair was done. It's a pretty cool service that they provide back then. Not sure if they still do that anymore these days. But in any case, the courtesy car that I got was an old beat up vehicle. But it helps to get around from point A to point B. Now, prior to the car accident, I had made plans to visit some friends in Seattle that weekend. 
and Seattle is about two to three hours drive away from Vancouver. Seattle is in the U.S., while Vancouver in Canada. They are both on the west coast of North America, close to the U.S.-Canada border. And since I was not hurt and not too shaken up from the car accident on the bridge, I never thought twice about taking the courtesy car down to Seattle. It never crossed my mind that it might not be able to withstand the toll of the long-distance drive on the highway. I have driven to Seattle a number of times, so the route was not unfamiliar to me. There was no GPS then, but all you would need was a good map and you were good to go. The nice thing about the drive was that there were some nice scenic routes along the way, so the plan was to set off early and take a nice leisurely drive down. So after a nice sumptuous breakfast on a Sunday morning, I set off my journey to Seattle. Everything started off pretty smoothly, but no sooner when I crossed the border into the U.S. territory, smoke started to come out from the under the hood. So I pulled over, waited for the car engine to cool down, and added some water to the radiator, which I had prepared just in case the car gets overheated. But the car was dead. I could not start the engine again, even after cooling down. My courtesy car was officially broken down in the middle of nowhere along the shoulder of Highway Interstate 5. Now, my friends were a couple of hours away from the border. I was an AA or Automobile Association member, not Alcoholic Anonymous, but <laughs> the service is only limited to uh, within Canada. So I decided to see if I could flag someone down for help. It didn't take long before a car pulled over to offer much-needed assistance. A white male in his 30s or so got out of his car, a nice-looking classic Ford Mustang, and proceeded to take a look under my hood. From then on, man, I tell you, everything he did was simply extraordinary. It was a Sunday. Most shops were closed on Sundays. So the man suggested towing my car with his classic Mustang to get some spare parts at a local automotive outlet. Then, head on to his house to see if he can get the car going again. That was the plan, and that's what we did. We bought some spare parts, went on to his house, and met his wife. What a nice, warm, and welcoming couple, I thought. They offered me a drink, and then the husband went to work on my car at his garage. After working on it for a bit, the engine was still dead, and that was pretty much all he could do. So I asked if he could help tow my car across the border so I can arrange for a tow truck at the Canadian border. Of course, I would pay him for it. And so he towed my car across the border to Canada, as requested, without any hesitation. Both he and his wife, they were simply godsend. I offered to give him whatever cash that was on me, you know, for the trouble he's been through. But you know what? He, he didn't accept it. He refused to accept it, in fact. Instead, he left me his cell number just in case and gave me a handshake and left. What a day. I kept in touch with them for a while, sending seasonal greetings. But then sadly, we kind of lost touch after I moved house. Unfortunately, I don't remember their names anymore, but I do remember seeing the cross in their home. So I know that they are Christians. And I will never forget the kindness the generosity extended to me on that fateful Sunday morning. In retrospect, this was yet another seed planted in my journey 
towards my conversion. On reflection, this marks yet another encounter with Christ drawing me near him. The faith of this couple living out their Christian life was a definitive factor that moved me to the point of conversion many years later in my discernment. This particular event definitely made the difference in my discernment to conversion. Like I said, it took me another five years after my call to conversion to finally be baptized, so stay tuned for that story. Now, my reflection for this episode is based on the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Again, that's from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And it reads as follows. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door. And he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind and what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, pick up your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. End of reading. Now the verse that stood out for me was verse number 5. When Jesus saw the faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw the faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw the faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. The grace that flowed out to me from the entire reading is the grace of the faith and the intercession of community. There are two important takeaways for me. First, what was it about the friends of the paralyzed man that impressed Jesus? I mean, they were so determined to get Jesus' help for their friend that they removed the roof of someone's house so that they could lower his mat down into the room where Jesus was preaching. They had faith that Jesus could heal their friend. Imagine the trouble the four men went through for the paralyzed man. Now, in this case, it wasn't the paralytic's faith that generated the healing. It was the faith of the four men. 
we see from Mark 2, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four men, then he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. This is a good reminder that we should never take for granted the power of our petitions made on behalf of someone else. In the church, we call prayers on behalf of others prayers of intercession. From the CCC, paragraph 2634, it defines intercession as follows. Intercession is a prayer or petition which leads us to pray as Jesus did. He is the one intercessor with the Father on behalf of all men, especially sinners. He is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercessions for them. The Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us and intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. End of paragraph. In the same way, we see that the four men interceded for the paralytic by their faith, both physically and spiritually. It is a good example to illustrate that since the act of interceding involves more than one party, so implicitly, intercession implies the involvement of a community. Hence, the grace I received from the reading was about the faith and the intercession of community. From here, clearly, intercessions are indeed biblical and Mark 2 verse 5 confirms that they, in fact, do work. The intercessory faith of the four men leads to the healing of the paralyzed man physically and also the forgiveness of sins spiritually. Now, connecting the dots to my reflection. What if the four men who carried the paralyzed man were not friends, as we assumed they were? but were strangers to the paralyzed man instead. I mean, it is not stated in the scripture that they were friends of the paralytic. We just assume they were. So what if they were strangers? Think about it. Now, if they were strangers, then the truth revealed to us in this episode's inspired reading is even more profound. If they were indeed strangers, then... They are truly the good Samaritans who are fully living out their faith in their Christian life by loving their neighbor as they love themselves. And that is exactly what happened to me in my encounter. You see, the couple who went out of their way to help me, they were living out their faith to love their neighbor in their Christian life. Think about it. Why would anyone stop in the middle of nowhere to help a complete stranger. No science, no physics can explain that whatsoever. They not only stopped, but spent nearly half the day on a Sunday to fuss over nothing of their concern, really. I started my trip in the morning, and by the time my car was towed back across to the Canadian border, it was nearly evening time. On reflection, the Holy Spirit interceded for me through the hands of the couple, from the community. Love, as we know it, is the highest fruit of the Holy Spirit. That was what my encounter was all about. 
As it is written in Genesis 2, verse 18, our faith is not meant to be lived alone, but to be lived out in our community. God created us to need others to live in community. Through these relationships, we can come to know, to love, and to serve God. This is why it is important for us to build up the community we are in in order to live out the fullness of our Christian life by planting and sowing seeds to draw others closer to God, by setting examples for our children and for people of our responsibility, by building up fellowships to encourage and spur each other on in our conversion, our formation, and our continued transformation to love and good works. It helps to have a solid support group around us whenever we sleep, and we are going to sleep, and so we may intercede for one another just like the four men who interceded selflessly for the paralyzed man. As the saying goes, to go fast, go alone. To go far, go together. And for those who might be seeking the real encounter with the risen Lord, this is what Jesus promises in Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. This is the same promise God made in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 in Emmanuel, which means God with us or God is with us. Secondly, this passage is to me a reminder that as Catholics, we should be grateful that we have the sacraments of reconciliation. And we should be grateful for two reasons. First, we don't have to wait till the end of time to be forgiven by Jesus. Our priests can do that in persona Christi. This is powerful in itself because who can forgive sins but God? Well, unless God himself gives the authority, which he did. And that's how it is done in persona Christi. Secondly, the sacrament of reconciliation is an indispensable gift from God to help us in our own perfection. In order to prescribe a drug to a medical condition, for example, we must first make a diagnosis. In the same way, to work on a particular vice or sin that we commit, we must first admit to it and confess it with a contrite heart. It may take many confessions to get rid of a sin, but with the grace of God and a little perseverance, we can. So what the sacrament of reconciliation can do for us is to give us the renewal of spirit and fortitude to chip away the bondage of our sin until it is finally denied and good riddance. And this is exactly what it means to deny ourselves when Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself Take up your cross daily and follow me. You can find that in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, as well as Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Now to conclude, are intercessions biblical and do they work? And should we pray to the saints and Mother Mary for their intercessions? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. In fact, we find one such biblical confirmation in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, 
he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now there are others, for example, when Abraham in the seed of Lot and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis chapter 18, and many others both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And in addition, CCC paragraph number 2634 teaches us that Jesus is the one intercessor with the Father on behalf of all men, especially sinners. And so the purpose of intercession is to save those who draw near to God through Christ, since he always lives to make intercession for sinners like us, and that the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us and intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And that is the key. The intercessions must be in accordance to the will of God and in God's timing. The intercession of St. Augustine's mother for her son, the doctor of grace, is a good testament to this. Now, what about Mother Mary? Why do we Catholics pray to her? Well, to implore intercession for us. From the wedding in Cana, we clearly see that Jesus, he does listen to his mother, despite his hour has not yet come. By turning water, into wine at the request of Mother Mary. To intercede for one another is truly one of the ways we can live out the fullness of a Christian life in a community. We don't need to be saints in order to intercede for each other. When Jesus saw the faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. We are created not to live our Christian life alone, but in a community. In retrospect, my call to conversion and my Lord and my God, go check it out if you haven't heard it, was through the intercession of my parents to have an encounter with God. And as I discussed at length in my previous episode, having the encounter with Christ is like the new seeing to believing. And because I saw Jesus through my encounter, I believe for me, to finally be converted five years after my call to conversion, the Holy Spirit has interceded yet again through the hands of complete strangers to show me the magnificent fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. And the greatest gift of all is love. God is love. God is Emmanuel, and God is with us. So let us continue to pray for each other and get to know Jesus better. Pick up the Bible and listen to what he's got to say. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, Please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any new episodes. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.